Hi, and welcome to the Sage's Cabin podcast. I'm your host, Rox Madeira. So grab a cup of tea and come and join me in the Sage's Cabin as we chat about everything from herbal gardening, herbal medicine, movement practices, wild food, postnatal, and just general well-being. Today I've got the privilege of talking to Lisa from Edilus Wild Foods in Leeds. And we're going to be talking about her workshop that she's putting on at the Scottish Wild Food Festival in September called Preserving and the Wild Spice Rack. And we're just talking about foraging in general and about sustainability. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Thank you for coming on and talking to me on the podcast. We are really looking forward to having you at the festival in September the Scottish Wild Food Festival. So we're just going to chat today to you to learn a bit more about you and what you're coming to do. So maybe you could just start by telling me a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do, your business, um, and how you got into foraging. Yeah, uh, so I'm Lisa Cutcliffe. I, um, I'm Edulous Wild Foods online, and that is the name of my little foraging business. I'm a I'm a foraging instructor, primarily educator, um, but I love to cook with wild foods and preserve them. And um, I, I can talk about a huge range of subjects within wild food. I do all wild foods as well. It's not just plants. It's, um, it's fungi, it's wild meats, shellfish, seaweeds, all of it. So any aspect of something that you can harvest from the wild or even in an urban environment as well, because I do live in a city um there's plenty of ornamentals that you can harvest as well that we just walk by every day so I'm interested in the full spectrum um, and a good old rounder in that sense um but it, it started with fungi for me uh I um found out that porcini mushrooms grow in the UK and I assumed that they were only on the continent because of the name but actually they're, they're called the penny bun and Boletus edulis in fact which is why my company is called what it is uh, because that started my passion in earnest for foraging was I wanted to find porcini and um, I did eventually but on the way I realized there were so many edible mushrooms and, and that they were all so different from the ones in the shops and what, uh, what I had experienced before it just became this obsession that I'm still still going on 20 years later so mushrooms are still my favorite and um, I've I've added plants and seaweeds and all of the rest of it to my repertoire over the years just to keep the journey going and and there's always more to learn Mm -hmm. and you're based in Leeds is that right I'm based in Leeds um but I do spend a good month or two in Scotland every year just because I I love it so much and it's where my heart lives really is that doing workshops and things uh yes or just on holiday for my own fun foraging because to be honest in the summer it's too dry to be teaching in Yorkshire and um down south as well unless it's coastal and I just need a break anyway between spring bonkersness and autumn bonkersness so I tend to teach sort of April to June and sort of September to October and into November if it's not too frosty um leaving the summer for me to go where it's already autumn up in Scotland so um that's kind of my pattern for the year so I'm just about to go to Scotland for a month now I can't wait <laughs> That's nice. I really like your um, Instagram page you've got lots oh, of thank you. 
pictures and interesting. We were just talking the other day about the the little uh, fly agaric mushroom things that you made. <laughs> oh, and my earrings, I've got them on today and earrings. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, the, the tomatoes and the, the, yeah. <laughs> the truffle salt and everything. Yeah, I love those. Uh, they went down very well. It's just um, lots of interesting ideas that, you know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, because I love art and craft as well. So it's not always about everything being purely wild. It's also about a bit of magic and whimsy as well in the overall experience of, of going foraging or, or having a meal consisting of wild food or mostly wild food. Um, but it's also sort of local produce and things as well. I try. I care very much about where everything I eat comes from. Um, but yeah, I have something wild every day in my diet. And this leads on to what the workshop is about, because it's about um, the, the native spice rack and um, preserving stuff, because you get these huge gluts of goodies and it's almost all in the same season. You can't process it all because you've got to go picking more stuff or you haven't got to, but I love doing it. And that's when it's there. That's when it's perfect. So often you have to preserve things for later so that you can have wild food throughout the year and so that's partly what I'm going to be talking about um, and I love that process that seasonality of it the fact that it isn't available all the time you, mm. you wait for things with anticipation um, so that's what I'll be talking about great so do you want to just tell us a bit more about your workshop because you're also talking about the native spice rack aren't you so yeah I always find really interesting <laughs> Yeah, I've put sort of put two topics together, preserving any everything that you collect, um, other than having to eat it all fresh and use it up. Um, and also the huge array of punchy, exciting flavours that you can get from foraging uh, in, in the wild and lots of umami and extra flavour and how to th get things that are naturally salty. And so there's sort of two facets which are connected because if you're preserving things you often want to put wild spices in with it or use salt that you've made yourself from the sea or whatever so we're going to discuss it's sort of a, a a process kind of thing so we'll go over all the beautiful spices or at least some of the ones that I want to talk about in the short time we've got it's only an hour and a half um this workshop and we're going to talk about some key spices, some identifications, some ones to, to watch out for that look like it, that kind of thing. I'll have some there so we can taste and smell some of these herbs and spices um, and seaweeds too, because I'm, I'm including seaweeds uh, because they add a huge umami mm. punch to everything that we're doing. And also um, herbs, seeds, you know, lots of different things and how mushrooms can be brought in. And then also how to preserve these gluts that we get. So we'll be going over various techniques, not in any huge detail, but just to give people an idea of how they can preserve and keep some of that stuff for later mm -hmm. or make it taste and, and give it, have a different experience of that, in, of that ingredient because some things are much better when they're pickled, some things are much better after they've been dried. Mm -hmm. So it isn't always the case that fresh is best, especially with fungi. Um, some of them are way better after drying. And it's not, you know, that there are ways to do it that do it well and do it um, successfully because sometimes things get mouldy if you leave them too long. So there's going to be lots of advice and techniques. Um, but also we'll go into jamming, making syrups and, and um, uh, sort of jerkies and, you know, all of it, all of it. We're going to talk about all of it.
and also maybe how to choose which technique to use for each ingredient that you might think about as well. Plus, I'll be there to just answer questions and, and give advice if people have questions that they come with. Yeah, that's really good, because quite often it's just a lot of trial and error, isn't it? You've got to kind of figure it out and make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, you find which things you like as well, because one person might like something and the other person might not. Uh, so you find what you like. You find spice blends that you like to go with your pickles. But what we're also going to do is to pickle something or make a preserve of some kind while we're there. I haven't decided exactly what yet. Um, it depends what I can get in the in the week running up to it. But it'll be um, some sort of pickled mushroom or uh, seeds or something like that. Or it'll be um, a ketchup or, you know, something. So you'll be able to go away with a bottle of, or a jar of something that we've made together. That's part of the workshop as well. And are these, I guess these are like kind of... Um, techniques that people would have used a lot before but they've kind of fallen out of fashion a bit although I think I guess they're kind of coming back in a bit now it's true uh it's interesting because it's sort of come into like a gourmet deli sort of mm -hmm. a deli um avenue now for the marketing of it which mm -hmm. is fair enough because actually people say oh you pick this food for free like why is why is this four pounds five pounds a jar or something or then I'm like well actually it, it, I had to collect these over a large area and it took days to do that and then you have to pick all the little stalks off it's not just ready in a greenhouse for you to pick yeah. this, this, this the gathering <laughs> is quite a process and yeah. mileage to do that on foot or otherwise and it's time as well it's your time and then it's all the other ingredients that you put in the sugar the vinegar the salt all mm. that still costs the jars cost unless you can reuse ones which you can't do for commercial stuff so it's yeah it's not free and it, it, it's your time and expertise and all of that processing that people are paying for as well as your creativity and your your um uh you know um passion that's gone into into making that product if it's something for sale I don't do that but um people uh, get to taste a lot of my preserves and things on my courses and I'm, I'm going to choose one that goes down very well with most people to talk about on the course whichever one it is yet <laughs> a surprise <laughs> yeah for me too at this point <laughs> so um I hear people are quite often talking about or worrying especially actually people in America about um, sustainability and foraging yeah. so what are your thoughts around that I'm very keen on that and I and I think it's really important and I worry about people who just want to strip everything and grab everything and not think about the environment I think that's not in a true forager's interest anyway because you want to be able to go back you, you you want to be a steward of nature and looking after it and in all of the sort of traditional and more primitive or whatever more sort of um, in tune with the earth cultures they all forage and they, they manage and look after their forests and their environment and they have done that for centuries and millennia it only seems to be now that people sort of have this consumerist attitude they take too much and don't really think or care about yeah. next year or the year after and it's just like well I can go to the supermarket I can go somewhere else I can drive 500 miles in my car and go to another patch and it's like that's not what this is about mm -hmm. um the best place to forage is local to you and close to home and get to know your area your land and when things are best and when they are abundant and if they're not abundant then don't take any or don't take too much of it 
yeah, so we'll definitely go over some sustainability as part of my intro anyway to anything about foraging, but you've got to... It's almost like a bit of, you need a bit of a, a shift in, in thinking, isn't it? Not, because we have that kind of, just which, everything's there for us, just grab it all and just throw it away and it's Super fine, and it's not a big deal. And <laughs> it's kind of yeah. hard to change that, because I think sometimes you feel like, or people feel like they it's all there and you have to pick it but maybe you don't you're not going to use it or you don't you don't need it so you don't have to pick it you can just leave right. it there for other and preserving things. means that you can pick more but it's still got to be what you're going to use in a year until the next year you know and mm-hmm. um and maybe some presents and things you know nice natural presents for for christmas or birthdays and things i do that a lot as well it's it's nice to give that mm-hmm. love and time to someone in a way that something they can enjoy and it nourishes them but yeah we're talking about foraging for yourself and your family and your friends and and that's what we're talking about here and it's such a joy and it's such a personal lovely thing to give somebody something that you foraged and to um almost give up that resource that you've put time and effort into but that you're right there is that sort of thing now quite an entitled kind of attitude um expecting everything to be available at all times that you can get whatever you want or that, yeah, it's food for free and you, it means you can have as much as you like, you can take as much as you like, you're allowed. And it's just, uh, I, don't, I don't like that attitude and I, I don't do that myself. It's very much standing back and looking at what's there, knowing the local area, is it a nature reserve? You know, there's all these things you need to find out if you're going to forage anywhere. Um, you need to understand the species that you're planning to collect or, or that you find and then make a decision on on the spot. Um, if you don't know, then don't don't pick it. Like find out its status. And just because something isn't um, on the red data list and critically critically endangered, it still doesn't mean that you should be collecting all of it from any spot. So we need to think about the life cycle of the organisms and the whole picture. And we're yeah, just a part changes, of that picture, doesn't it? As well, from year to year. So some years it can be more yes. abundant than other years. Nuts, for example. Um, trees just seem to have a cycle of mass years they call it so maybe every two or five years there's just this sheer abundance of tree nuts and things and then for years nothing much happens and that that's normal and that that's part of its um its own uh ecology so that it stops its predators getting out of control actually because if it doesn't produce so much the next year then some of that population will die off and it becomes back to a normal level where some still grow and some get eaten and that's why it does it apparently it was sort of evolved to do that that way but weather conditions and things also massively affect that yeah that's great so it's going to be exciting your workshop I'm looking forward to it yeah um, me too it's I can't wait to be there and with all the other people who are doing great things as well so I, I hope people will be going to lots of different workshops um and of course you get a chance to to have a feast and things as well so I know I really want to go to uh, yeah <laughs> so well, luckily my workshop finishes and then we've done the feast start so I'm gonna go to that as well um but there's you know there's foraging walks there's other fermenting and all sorts of other things all things I'm also interested in but I had to choose something to do a, <laughs> to do a workshop on try and narrow it down and even then I wasn't that successful I still chose two subjects um but you know there's just gonna be such a wealth and um you know take advantage and go and go just to lots of workshops and stuff I think you just pay on the day don't you but you have to book in advance yeah to make sure that we know how many people are coming and that sort of thing 
yeah yeah so um how do you how would you like people to get in contact with you how can people get in contact with you um and follow uh, you well, you mentioned my Instagram. I, I pretty much live in there online more than anywhere else. I do have a website, um, which is edulisswildfood.co.uk, but that lists my courses and things um, for this autumn, including this workshop. But in terms of interacting with me, yeah, my Instagram, which is at edulisswildfood, E-D-U-L-I-S, and um, I, I respond and I, I love engaging with people through that channel. Um, I do have Facebook and Twitter as well, but I don't do nearly as much on those. That's great. Thank you. So thank you for taking time to talk to me. Oh, it's lovely to see you. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the, to the event. <laughs> Not long now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. Yes, you soon. Bye. Bye. So if you like the sound of that workshop and all the other workshops that we've got coming up at the Scottish Wild Food Festival in September the 18th and the 19th, get to the website and book your tickets at www.scottishwildfoodfestival.co.uk. Tickets are on sale now and all the bookings are up for booking in the workshops. You can also go to free workshops and talks um, with your festival ticket, but there's also some that are additional charges, like Lisa's workshop and the banquet. So I hope to see you there. It's at Tirnanog um, in near Drimmen, Loch Lomond, about 45 minutes outside of Glasgow. as always if you enjoyed the podcast please like subscribe and share and if you want to check out anything that i'm doing it's at www.roxmadeira.com